2: Let's face it. People have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress, and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Slash awards. Only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com.
0: This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg, presented by Clear. Enroll today at
1: Clearme.com slash Peter and try Clear at the busiest airports nationwide. Hi there, everybody. Peter Greenberg here with another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. This week, We'll look at international travel in the era of COVID, confusing regulations and restrictions. And then, to make matters more complicated, the real mess in getting a new or renewed U.S. passport. And then, if you find yourself stuck in America this summer, don't despair. We'll have the latest results in the Best Places to Live annual report with some surprises. First up...
4: Graduation is a sweet occasion, but finding the perfect gift can be a bitter struggle. MMS.com has a solution. Personalized M&M's. Just imagine the look on your grad's face when they receive a custom candy creation featuring their school's colors, name, and even their photo printed right on some M&M's. It's a thoughtful way to celebrate their accomplishments and make the occasion even more special. Visit MMS.com to create your own personalized gifts and party favors for graduations, weddings, birthdays and more. That's MMS.com. Use code WONDERY to receive 15% off your next order.
1: While the rest of Europe is open to vaccinated Americans, that's not the case in the United Kingdom. I check in with senior travel editor for The Independent in London, Simon Calder. Greece was one of the the first countries in the European Union to open up, uh, especially to Americans, not just to uh, passengers coming by air, but passengers coming by ship, um, and they continue to stay open. Uh, And of course, their numbers reflect that. Uh, Not the same case in the United Kingdom uh, and and other parts of that region. And joining me now to give us the latest update, because this week got crazy already. It was supposed to be Freedom Day earlier in the week in the United Kingdom, is our good pal from uh, from The Independent, the senior travel editor of The Independent, Simon Calder. How are you, Simon?
5: Peter, I just wish I was with you in beautiful Athens, staying at the Grand Britannia. It's uh, uh, just the location, uh, the atmosphere. You're right in the middle of everything. Uh, I uh, I envy you, but I hope I will see you there uh, sometime soon. And I hope that... Uh, um we will be able to go there without too much um hassle yeah um what you need to know as an american tourist and i'm assuming that you probably flew over the united kingdom on the way um at the moment you peter and your lovely listeners even if they have been fully vaccinated and they have got their certificates to prove it they are not invited unless they are going to go straight into a hotel and self-isolate for 10 days. Uh, The UK government, which has been very, very different um, over this whole pandemic in terms of what it's done, we were opening up just as everybody else was closing down in March 2020. um, They've just decided we don't need Americans coming here. I've been around to the four nations of the United Kingdom, so England, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, and the hoteliers, the golf courses, they are just desperate to see um americans back but they nobody can come in however this week i'm pleased to say there is a workaround and it's just as easy as pie if you've been double vaccinated or you've got uh, you you you've, you've finished uh, a single dose um, vaccine uh, waited a week or two then you can go to ireland the republic southern ireland and just spend 10 days there once you've completed 10 days there you can go across the border to northern ireland you can go to the uk uh, to, to great britain which is of course and there's going to be a test at the end england wales and scotland and you will be able to enjoy our lovely
1: part of the world but it is just desperate and of course the rules are changing well that's the point that's the point everything we're talking about today is subject to immediate change Uh, And of course, the one other word that we haven't talked about yet, but we need to, it's the elephant in the room, it's reciprocity. And that is, the United States still does not allow vaccinated Europeans into the U.S., There had been rumors, in fact, President Biden even hinted at it, that the U.S. would announce that policy sometime in the next couple of days. It hasn't happened. In fact, the U.S. State Department went one step further because of the uh, increase in cases in the U.K. Uh, Earlier in the week, they issued a level four do not travel advisory for Americans going to the U.K. Now, I should add that for those of you who are enlightened travelers, you know that it's just an advisory. It's not a rule. It's not a law. You're not going to get arrested if you go. It's just saying do not travel as a strong advisory that doesn't make matters any easier though does it
5: it certainly doesn't i mean when you are told by your government we really think yeah there's there's maybe uh 12 or 20 really dangerous countries in the world and by the way the united kingdom is one of them um it's not a great great look um now clearly i've been here for pretty much all of the um uh terrible pandemic um funnily enough one of my probably my greatest trip was uh actually escaping last october when we still could and going to uh, Greece, I traveled all the way down from uh, uh, beautiful um, Corfu, lovely island off the Ionian coast through the Peloponnese um Corinth and uh, along the Corinth Canal, then down to the uh, island uh, in the Saronic Gulf. And then finally and triumphantly coming back to Athens, which I, d- I, I don't know. Um, Peter, can I can I um, perhaps embarrass you and say, were you in athens in round about the kind of 1980s i know that you're a, a young and sprightly right?
1: <laughs> and the and the answer is yes
5: yeah okay and it was pretty horrible but they they did great in the olympics and they turned it into a really livable city from you know effectively just one huge traffic jam so that uh, they they've done great stuff there and um yeah i i know people who have just said we're going to go to greece we don't care. We're going to find somewhere to stay. Yeah, the rules will come and go, but we just love the uh, the pace of life out here. It's um uh, one, one of those things I sort of wish I had done.
1: And keep in mind, Simon, as of, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, Greece was still in a lockdown, but they still were welcoming Americans, meaning that you, you know, you may not go out to dinner every night and you may not be able to, uh, you know, venture to a museum. But now, you know, the same thing happened when I was in Turkey, Right. No problem going, but you couldn't go out to dinner. Now that's changing. Uh, Let's see how long it lasts because we're on a roller coaster here. um, And since there is no vaccine passport, since every country is operating as its own single entity and nobody's really talking to each other, it creates another problem because Americans and i and i say this because it's the way that travel is structured for so many people americans don't like to go to one dimensional destinations they like to package them they want to go to greece and then they want to go to turkey or they want to go to you know they want to go to scotland and they want to go to wales exactly so it does it does impact your ability to travel between the countries but right now uh, you're not really impacted in traveling to them and let me ask one other question here simon that, and please feel free to disagree with me but i i really do believe That the metrics have morphed from the focus on the vaccination levels of the country itself that you want to go to to the vaccination levels of the people who want to go to that country. And that's one of the reasons why I think the EU opened the door, because they didn't want to be left out of another summer of, uh, of revenue. Sure. I mean, it's it's public health against national
5: wealth and there has to be a balance. And the UK has basically just said we don't care about our tourism industry. We don't care about the, the, the fantastic uh, uh, castle hotels in Scotland. We don't care about Stratford-on-Avon and its history. You know, effectively, we, we uh, it's easier for us just to keep the Americans out. And then when we're good and ready, we'll ask them if they want to come back and they may well say, actually, um, we went to uh, Greece and we had a fantastic time there. And so we're going back there. It is it is a very, very tricky uh, business. Um, But I mean, you flew nonstop, didn't you? Which I think I I just go. Going back to what you were saying about combining destinations, I know that's absolutely fantastic, and there is talk that getting around the European Union, which of course the UK left uh, a year or so ago, um, is 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 relatively smooth, but generally only if you've got this EU digital COVID pass. So my, you know, I love catching trains across Europe. It's a wonderful way to uh, uh, to to see the continent. But at the moment, I'm just saying, just go from A to B have a lovely time and come back again. It's just not worth the, you, every time you cr- try to cross a border, you are multiplying the uh, possible problems.
1: And what is it doing to the airlines? Because the airlines can't come back if there's no transatlantic flights in both directions.
5: Yeah. Um. The the It's so interesting watching what's happening. So um, intercontinental Europe, there's uh, a lot of aviation going on into the UK. There's very little bear in mind that london new york used to be the uh, richest intercontinental air route in the world now you on a typical day you might get three flights on it instead of 30 or 40. Uh, the airlines are really hurting in the uk and indeed in ireland because the travel restrictions are that much tougher and in europe yeah we're back to kind of 40 50 60% of uh, normal activities um in in the UK were down to about um you know, 15 to 20%. It's it, it's horrible. Um uh, earlier this week we heard um that easyjet britain's biggest low cost airline um in the 3 months from april to june they lost 55 dollars per second. That was just gone. That Whoa. was what it cost them to keep the uh, the airline in kind of Fit condition for the restart, and nobody
1: knows when that is coming. Well, isn't that interesting? Because in the U.S., the the, the rebound is being led by the low cost carriers, mm. um, oh, yeah. and and the leisure market. I mean, you can't you can't get a seat. Mm. Oh, it's, it's absolutely fantastic what's happening there.
5: I'm I'm really really enjoying the excitement that I'm seeing of of people uh, getting to know their own country, uh, which is absolutely terrific. And of course, given that. The U.S. is so big and so diverse. If you're in Anchorage, Alaska, then California is effectively a completely different country. If you're in Texas, then the state of Maine you know, might as well be on the moon. It's it's wonderful. And therefore, because there are so many opportunities, so much diversity, um, the uh, U- U.S. tourist industry isn't hurting
1: as much as it might be. Are we going back to pre-pandemic bad behavior on the part of the travel providers we've seen in the last what just two weeks the government of italy banning cruise ships from the canals in venice Uh, we've seen the mayor of maui in hawaii do the absolute unthinkable begging the airlines to reduce the number of their flights to his island i mean because they literally can't handle the numbers Think about what that means. I mean, most mayors, their mandate is to get more flights. Their mandate is to get more visitors. Where are we now? Well, you know, I remember before the pandemic, and and Simon, I'm sure you even reported about this. There was even a consideration in Venice to put turnstiles in St. Mark's Square. Oh, there, there certainly was. And look, I think that uh, uh, it's really
5: interesting the development in in. Venice for cruise ships which is basically just saying yep you're going to be uh, sailing from a place well I think 90 minutes by road it's a, it's a lovely place Mont um and really worth exploring but you're not going to be able to explore because you're going to be getting straight onto your uh, onto your ship there um, Venice itself I think is probably going to um reach the conclusion that actually yes since we are completely tourism dependent we will welcome people in we won't put the turnstiles in uh, maui is a different one and that is just shows you what happens when there is so much demand for something exotic and while i love every aspect of the u.s hawaii and its islands are um uh arguably you know that the most foreign place you can go and so it doesn't sort of quite surprise me we've we've seen similar things actually elsewhere in europe um particularly in the scottish islands basically just saying oh we you know we, we'd love to see you but not just yet uh it's it's a tricky one and it's particularly island communities where they feel that they are vulnerable and it, once they open up to the rest of the
1: world that will uh, cause them problems of course, using Hawaii as a model, or even Venice, because some, pe- some people might just argue that Venice, in its essence, is a fabrication. Uh, there are very few Venetians who actually are Venetian. But forgetting that, and by the way, I love Venice, but forgetting that, it's a double-edged sword when you consider the fact that you know these are tourism-based economies. In many cases, if you look at the World Travel and Tourism Council average, the global average, is about 11% of global GDP is travel and tourism. Well, that is definitely not the case in Hawaii. That is definitely not the case in Venice. It's high double digits. Um, And and so the double-edged sword is the very people you need to come are the very people who could destroy you. Yes, but it all depends
5: how your vaccine programme is going. I mean, nobody can pretend when they are talking about opening up tourism that it is risk free. It will come with risks. It will come with more infections. I mean, of course, aviation was what was responsible for spreading this terrible virus around the world so quickly. So there, there is not a cost free option, but you You have to, and particularly with the the vaccination programme now in the US doing pretty well, uh, you you have to say, well, at some stage we have to accept that the most vulnerable people we hope are now vaccinated and therefore we we can let people in. And yeah, infections will rise, but jobs will be created by these people coming in. And to, I think, any country which says, yeah, you're very welcome, but not yet, is really um taking a risk because there are many great places as you always report around the world and people might just say okay scotland no can't can't uh, yeah we, we, we'll find somewhere else um maybe maybe the beautiful west of ireland um maui okay well we'll we'll head down to cabo in in baja california you know, there, there's always options and um uh, just to say we'll let you know when we're ready I think is it just feels a bit sort of arrogant to me, and I'm not
1: sure if people will take much pay much attention to it. Well, let's go beyond that. Let's take vaccinations off the table. Let's take, hopefully, COVID off the table. Remember, what was our what was our buzzword back in January and February of 2020? It was over tourism, right? So, so we're we're back to that again when you talk about Venice, right? Where the bridge of size is the bridge of thighs. Where you know you, you you have that was my line. I like it a lot. I use it all the time. But the thing is, how do you how do you take the time that we've had during the pandemic to actually do some intelligent strategizing so that you don't repeat the mistakes of the past? Well,
5: you will know— Know what the answer is because i've heard you speak on tourism very very fluently and the answer is that you you persuade americans yeah venice is great and everyone needs to see it once in their lifetime but while you're in this amazing part of the world um go to verona go to um ravenna uh, head around the coast to trieste uh so much to see and there's always uh just so much diversity and joy to be found and frankly i mean i i do recall you know being caught up on a saturday when the cruise ships are in town in dubrovnik or barcelona or venice and you just think i i, I can do without this i'll come back in november when i'm the only tourist in town and people are glad to see me and so i kind of think that it's a little bit self correcting people will go there and they'll just think i didn't have a great experience um i'll, I'll look around a bit further and maybe i'll come back off season and off-season tourism is just a joy.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. I live for the off-season. I think that the off-season started with a bunch of escaped Garmentos in New York who were freezing their You know what's off in February and said, let's go to the Caribbean. The Caribbean in the summer is just as nice. So the bottom line is, it's a great opportunity now as we re-emerge or emerge, depending on your history, from COVID-19 to really embrace the off-season as we move forward. It's a great strategy. It's an affordable strategy and it's an experiential one-upsmanship That you're going to get if you do that. My thanks to Simon. Let's just say the UK suddenly did open up to vaccinated travelers. If you applied for a newer renewal passport in the last four months, chances are good you're still waiting and you won't be able to go there or anywhere else for that matter. There's a huge backlog at the 26 US passport agencies all across America. It is, to say the least, a mess. David Alwadish of It's Easy, who's my passport expert,
2: weighs in on the problem. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk
1: about starting the morning right.
2: Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. visit carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be convenient comfortable Ah.
1: a lot of people have been writing me uh, complaining about their inability to either get a new passport or renew an existing one Uh, we've had this problem in years past but it was due to you know overwhelming demand during you know peak summer months this is all pandemic related um, the, the passport offices are not being staffed. People are, you know, it's one thing to say you're working from home if you're in the advertising business, but if you're in the passport renewal business for a state department passport office, you gotta be in the office cause that's how things get renewed. Um, it's like saying you're a banker with cash, but you're working remotely. Well, that's not easy to do. And so what we're seeing, and this is getting crazier, is that for people who would want to apply for a new or a renewal passport, if they wanted expedited service in the old days, you know, you might get it in one or two weeks. In the, in the days that we're talking about now, expedited service could be anywhere from six to eight weeks. And if regular service is being asked for, we could be talking five to six months. It's intolerable. And for people listening to the show, you know, you've got your calendars out. There goes your summer. And For many of you, it may, be, may even be your fall. So joining me now is someone who knows a little bit about this. and in, in the interest of full disclosure, uh, he has saved me time and time again when I need a visa or when I need a passport because of my travel schedule. He's the the owner of It's Easy right here in New York, and his name is David Alwadish. How are you, David?
0: Peter, how are you, my dear friend?
1: I'm okay, but a lot of people out there are in trouble because they're being den- denied the opportunity to travel because they literally cannot get a passport.
0: Peter, I listened to you, and I, 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 you're phenomenal. I couldn't correct one thing that you said. I have been doing this thing for a very long time, close to 40 years. Uh, I don't want to date myself because I'm still young at heart. But the truth of the matter is I have never, never, never seen anything like this ever. It almost brings tears to my eyes because I see people crying to me every day uh, about trips they can't make, deaths in the family that they can't see, people they can't bury, and I don't understand. They go upstairs to the passport agency, there's one person working at a window, and a hundred people downstairs. It doesn't make any sense, and uh, I was laughing because I was going to say on a radio show, Peter, I'm almost speechless, but I'm not going to be speechless for you, Peter. I'm going to try to help you and your listeners out as best I can.
1: Well, let's talk about this, because in Normal times, you are a you you are an independent passport expediter. You can get people passports. You can get them visas. And sometimes those visas can be difficult to get to certain countries. I know this, having done this before so many times with you. But we're really talking today about just basic passport issuing and passport renewal. So let's go back. Let's go back a couple of years. Let's go back three years. And if somebody came to you and said, "David, can you know how do I apply for a passport? What do I do?" You would basically have them fill out the application and then. You you would handle the paperwork and actually the physical going to the office to get that passport to be to be physically in their hands in a reasonable amount of time. Su- suffice to say that's correct?
0: That That's very correct. Uh, they, they, the services that I used to offer uh, where I used to go in, uh, one person would go in, drop off a stack of work, and then go back uh, a day or two or three later, depending upon the service that the passport agency was offering, uh, and pick up the finished product uh, they've suspended that uh, service for, since uh, March 19th. I'm bewildered by why they have done that, because it's a COVID-safe service. Imagine that, that, that I could walk in with a, a dozen applications, one person, drop it off in their mailbox, so to speak, and their Dropbox, and then they work on it and we go back and pick it up. Uh, so, but now, uh, but that's what I used to do for people. It was effortless. They come to my office, they drop it off, they leave, and they're happy. And uh, and the and it was it was really uh, unlimited that we could pretty much get them done.
1: But now, for people who are either going online, which is somewhat suicidal, uh, or even trying to get people on the phone, what they're hearing is there are no appointments. You can't just walk in. Uh, if you stand in line, there's no guarantee that they're even going to see you. Is there any alternative for anybody who ne- who absolutely needs a passport? to get it in a reasonable amount of time.
0: You know something? Uh, I I am trying my best, and I say it honestly, to help people uh, m- m- make the appointments. I, I want to be very clear. I don't sell them an appointment. I don't have any. Uh, they come to me, and they say I'm traveling, but if they're not traveling within the, um, the guidelines, it's it's tough to get because most of the appointments are issued two weeks in advance. And Ooh. each day, yes, each day they release another day. And those appointments, the reason why people can't get them is because they're gone like the movie, gone in 60 seconds. Maybe not gone in 60 seconds, but I can assure you that if they tried calling when these appointments are released, they're gone in about two, three minutes.
1: I've heard stories, David, about people living in California who could not get appointments, who literally were traveling across the country uh, to go to offices like in Vermont or New Hampshire, where they found an open invitation. So they were flying across just to sneak in there for 40 minutes to get a passport. And that's assuming they let them in the door.
0: That's right. If they will not let the, they, they, the guards outside of every one of these agencies, in, in a funny sort of way, I wish I had every one of my employees uh, so respectful to my rules and regulations, but the rules and regulations are daunting. The guards will not let anybody in. They could care less. They've heard every story in the book, and they just could care less. They're not paid to it. They've drunk. They've drinking enough Kool-Aid to understand that they cannot let you in without a, a an absolute confirmation number for that day and time. And people are outside thinking that it was the good old days where they could just wait online and maybe they'll let a few in at a time, but that's not happening at all.
1: So what I'm hearing from you, and tell me if I'm wrong here, is that anybody listening to this program who's flying in the next month may not be flying in the next month. And if you want to fly in the next six months, you better apply for the passport now.
0: That's right. Uh, the people, well, let's let's make it more even precise. If they're traveling within the next week to 10 days, boy, getting an appointment, they'd have to hope they get a cancellation. I believe that my gut feeling is the Department of State does sprinkle a few uh, teasers of, of appointments each day for, uh, you know, to get a few other people who are desperate. But basically, the appointments again are launched two weeks out. So if you're traveling three weeks out uh you got to try to keep on making an appointment and you should get one maybe two weeks you know before your trip uh and i mean what well, three days before your trip uh and uh, then you could make it but in the next two weeks it's very very difficult
1: so we're we're talking really last minute hold your breath you may or may not make it so here's the big question when is this going to end when when does this get better uh do we have to wait until labor day
0: so I agree with you. I think you're right because this a, I think this is a combination of the uh, of milking the pandemic and also a combination of the uh, the summer rush, which is always, no matter how you twist it, and I'm working on a, on a, and a legacy, which I'll tell you about one day. But at the end of the day, I uh, believe it's a summer rush as well, coupled with the uh, milking of a pandemic. There's really no reason, in my opinion, why the passport agency has to be empty upstairs with maybe 10 people while people are outside crying. Uh, and 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 literally crying uh, for an appointment, desperate. Uh, they're losing hundreds of dollars, fortunes, rescheduling trips, lost lost trips, non-refundable. To, it's re, Peter. It's really heartbreaking. I'm seeing something I've never seen before. This is 2021, and I have not seen this before. This is this is something that you saw when cars were all black. When you went outside the street and you saw them driving.
1: <laughs> well, here's the other question then, and that is this: uh, we know that. You know, in the service industry, especially hospitality, they're having staffing issues, whether it's pilots at American Airlines or people to, to wait tables at restaurants or to man security you know, gates at, at airports. Uh, people aren't coming back to work. But what's the story with the State Department? I mean, are you telling me that people are just staying home and not working? I
0: have a funny feeling, which is what I just can't get, because this is the load of passports. I, I, it, they were doing passports for a while back in April of this year, I was getting them back in a week to 10 days, the expedites. They weren't so busy. All of a sudden, they hit a backlog, but I'm thinking that the people at the agencies are actually being sent bulk mail to do. So rather than tending to the window and tending to the people downstairs, they're trying to get rid of the, the mail that they got backed up. And so each agency is maybe doing um, uh, male, because I can't imagine that in a very secluded agency, understand these people don't have to work next to each other. Uh, they, all the agencies are guarded by windows before COVID, they were guarded by glass windows so you couldn't uh, hurt them or touch them or reach them. So, certainly, you're protected. I'm not understanding what is going on with one or two people manning a dozen windows. In each agency, and maybe each agency having about maybe 50 appointments a day, I don't understand what they're doing. I can't imagine that they're not working. I believe that they're all there, but maybe they're doing mail.
1: My thanks to David. And since many of you may be stuck in the U.S. this summer, and maybe even longer, then you might be traveling within America. All the more reason to pay attention to the annual U.S. News & World Report annual list of the best places to live. Devin Thorsby reports on the winners. Every year, I actually look out for this because it, it speaks to all of my fantasies. Uh, and it also speaks to the fact that last year and this year, uh, more than ever, Americans moved. They, they had an opportunity during the pandemic to reassess their life, to reassess their lifestyle, and to reassess their location. And so many Americans literally picked up and said, you know, we've never had a better opportunity than now. Maybe that they didn't expect, right? Beware of the law of unintended consequences. Let's go somewhere. So what US News & World Report does every year speaks right to that. And this year they've just released their 2021-2022 Best Places to Live. And joining me right now, the editor for Real Estate for US News, and that's Devin Thorsby. Hey, Devin.
3: Hi, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. So speak to my fantasies here. Um, You know, I I saw some of the results, which didn't surprise me. Um, You know, Boulder, Colorado, uh, you know, it's still doing very, very well on your list. Portland, Maine, uh, cracked the top 25. Uh, And then, you know, Naples, Florida, Sarasota, Florida, a lot of people moving down to Florida. Uh, But... What were the rankings based on? What were the metrics you used?
3: Yes. U.S. News looks at uh, the details people find most important when considering a move to a new part of the country. And so to calculate the best places to live rankings, uh, we examine kind of the data that those details really are are shown through in. Uh, so we look at the cost of living and how it compares to the local area's median household income, the job market, uh, the desirability of the place, as well as net migration and whether people are actually acting on that desire to move, uh, as well as quality of life details, including crime rates, access to quality health care, the quality of the schools for children, and more.
1: And, you know, while Naples and Sarasota and Florida did well, one of the big surprises that I saw, San Diego dropped 52 spots on your list due to average monthly unemployment and, of course, uh, I'm assuming cost of living as well.
3: Yes, absolutely. Uh, San Diego, in particular, was one of those metro areas, like a few others, uh, that was deeply impacted, in particular, by the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, unemployment rates took a big hit, and I think because San Diego is a, a popular destination for a lot of people um, going on vacation, in 2020, when people were not going on vacation, you you saw a lot of um, the, the unemployment uh, go up there just because people were not able to be employed for hospitality or tourism purposes. Um, and so San Diego is one example of that. Las Vegas is another. It dropped um, 50 spots as well on the list.
1: And then one that also fell, about 42 spots, which if you put it into the proper context, it, it makes sense, is a very popular travel destination, but maybe not a place that's going to be the most livable. And that was Honolulu.
3: Yes. A similar, similar reaction there. The, the tourism industry is so huge in Honolulu, um, when it could not be active and accepting new people all the time throughout the pandemic, it definitely took a big hit, um, but you know, since, since the end of 2020, as we're kind of at least hopefully kind of coming out of this pandemic, um, we're seeing that tourism bounce back. And so I think that that's an example of what we're hoping to see for next year, which is that these metro areas that took a huge hit fell really far in the rankings for this year. Hopefully next year we'll see them at least uh, with some significance come back up a little bit. We want to see them bounce back. I don't want the, the road to recovery to be too long for them.
1: And then, of course, the other metric that we talked about was basic cost of living. And in those areas, three very, very popular places that have been on your list many, many times, Austin, Texas, Colorado Springs, and Denver, they all dropped down because they got more expensive.
3: Yes, absolutely. They are three very popular places, and they're still extremely highly ranked. Austin is number five, Colorado Springs number six, and Denver's still in the top twenty-five. Uh, but their cost of living is rising, in particular because they're seeing so much activity of people moving to the area, and that demand—they just don't have the the homes available and and the infrastructure to really. Welcome those people without also raising the cost of living at the same time
1: now in other rankings and this will not come as a surprise the fastest growing places in the United States four out of the five Florida Uh, that's Sarasota Fort Myers Naples and Lakeland and then Myrtle Beach. The home of miniature golf for those people who want to know those things. Uh, and uh, and then uh, the one that I think people, these are the sleepers, your list of most affordable places. Huntsville, Alabama, Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, the Quad Cities in, in Iowa and Illinois, and, uh, Hickory, North Carolina, and back to Iowa again for Des Moines. I mean, that's uh, the Midwest seems to be doing okay.
3: Yes, the Midwest is definitely, I would say, the place to go for uh, affordable living, especially because a lot of those metro areas have worked for a long time. I know Des Moines is one in particular that really aims to attract employers and businesses, tech in particular, to try to bring more people uh, to the area long term and take advantage of that low cost of living, especially compared to the expensive tech hubs uh, like Boulder, Colorado, for one, You know, high home prices there. But uh, Seattle, Silicon Valley, those places are are so expensive in comparison to a place like Des Moines or the Quad Cities.
1: Exactly. We're talking to Devin Thorsby, the real estate editor for U.S. News and World Report. And, and basically speaking to what I was saying at the beginning of our segment, your survey showed that a third of Americans said that the pandemic has changed their preference to where they want to live. That's, there you go. There's your mobility index right there. 11% say they've already relocated or plan to relocate. Uh, because of the pandemic. And then uh, 7% of those said they plan to do so permanently. Of course, a lot of people say they plan to do so just temporarily. It turns out to be permanently anyway. And then, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not surprising. So I, I suppose if I was investing in like moving companies, this would be the time to make that investment because they've got to be very busy.
3: Absolutely. Uh, Especially long distance movers, I would say, could probably take advantage of a lot of people interested in moving from one type of metro area to another. Um, Of those that, you know, say they they plan to move or have already moved as a result of the pandemic, over 57 percent said that they uh, would prefer to move or have moved from a more population dense area to uh, a less dense area. and that's certainly not everyone. We also had 25% saying they wanted to move to a, a more dense, densely popla- populated area. Um,
1: well, how about this? How about this? They want to move to, here's my thought, a lot of them would probably want to move to a previously more densely populated area, <laughs> right?
3: Yes, absolutely. I think in uh, New York City in particular is one example. Um, there's there's references to kind of a rent surge. Rental rates are, are increasing pretty fast in New York City and in those kind of major urban centers. And I have to kind of put in the reminder for, for the people that are kind of sitting there among it, seeing and feeling it like it's a surge that it was because rent did drop quite significantly because a lot of people left during the pandemic that's um, it
1: it's the ebb and flow of uh, greedy greedy uh, <laughs> greedy landlords i got it my thanks to Devin, to david Alwadish, and to simon calder and my thanks to you for listening to this ion travel podcast for more conversations with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for all the breaking travel news, just log on to petergreenberg.com. Special thanks to our sponsors at Clear. Enroll in Clear at
0: clearme.com slash Peter and zip through busy airports nationwide.
2: Look around.
1: You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding right your tail.
4: and not the man pulling the strings. Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.
2: Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you